Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 7, it says, Now a tax collector, and tax collectors rather, and sinners, which were oftentimes held in the same category, tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, referring to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Tisk tisk. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, everybody say a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders. Everybody say his shoulders. Rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And this is an amazing passage of scripture. Jesus actually goes on uh, two more times and outlines two other parables and stories of how God is willing to go after those who are lost and, and this ultimately the story of redemption. And so, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I lose something, like, how many of you have ever lost something? Let me see, okay. You know what the worst is? I'll tell you what the worst is. Aside from losing your keys, right? I need to invent something that you can like, maybe there is something out there you can like press a button or something. And it will, you know, tell you where your keys are or put like a GPS on there or something. But the worst for me is when I lose something that I want to be like a part of my outfit. You ever been there? You know, like where you're like, I, okay, I got my outfit. I got my, my shirt. I got my pants chosen. I know exactly, you know, my watch is there, all this. But then you just can't find the bracelet. That perfect bracelet. You're like, this bracelet is going to complete the deal. Listen, man, I, 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 how many of you ever been in there before? And I have gone to the place, some of you don't care, like, I don't even care. You're being vain, pastor. It's not vanity. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, sometimes, no perfect people allowed. Hallelujah. And so, you know, I'm going, I, I, I will tear up the house. We could have just spent, my wife, you know, sometimes we spend all sorts of hours. Maybe, you know, maybe our bedroom is the only bedroom that sometimes you can't see the floor. Okay, especially with three kids. Come on, somebody, in a basement apartment on tonight. You know, we have some scenarios where sometimes, man, things get pretty crazy. You know, the house can be spick and span and by, you know, just 10 minutes, 10 minutes after Claire wakes up, the whole place is torn. Claire is our, is our youngest daughter. But, you know, we can clean the place, we can have it in order, but I will do anything to go and make sure that I find that piece. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm even talking to the ants, like, hey, ants, like, where is my bracelet? You ever been there? Like, where is it? Where are those bees? Because we're certain you're tearing it up, we're looking under the bed, throwing clothes away, doing everything, because you feel like this one thing. Oh, man, I feel this thing. Preaching about a bracelet. This one thing is going to complete it's going to complete the outfit. So you're willing. You and I are willing. We spend elongated periods of time. We want to make sure. I've literally been out the house driving down the street and look down like, oh man, I don't have this thing. And I'll drive back home. Don't judge me. 
to go and find this thing because I feel like it, you know and so the beauty is when we're talking about imperfect we're talking about this series I want to encourage you around the fact that God is such an incredible God that he is going to do everything he can in fact he's not just dying to meet you he died to meet you because see this is the thing God is not just looking for folk he wasn't just trying to rescue us so that we could be to a place where we just worship him that's fantastic but God comes to the place of rescue because he loves you so much that he can't imagine eternity without you Oh, who am I talking to? Somebody that walked in here this morning feeling like you don't have any self-worth. Come on, somebody. Somebody told you that you're not worth it. Somebody told you that because you don't have it all together that God couldn't love you. Or because of how that man is treating you. Who am I talking to? Don't raise your hand. They might be sitting next to you. But the fact is that the fact, the way that they're treated, you might feel like you're not worth it. Ah, but I showed up to tell about 12 people in here this morning that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten so I feel the preach creeping up on me it's kind of early but he said that whosoever is perfect whosoever believes in him I hear the gospel will not perish but have everlasting life and so this call to perfection that many of us may have and experience and may feel like we have to amount to this in order to experience and accept God's love you know this is this is this is not a biblical concept I love this series although today we're going to preach out of Luke 15 you know I want to go to and you know I want to look at 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 2nd chapter 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 is in the new Testament, the second, which is the second half of the Bible for those who are new to Bible. And I want to go to verse, to chapter 12. And look at this. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is one of the individuals on which the church was founded. Uh, Jesus used him to establish, actually wrote two-thirds of what we know as the New Testament, the New Covenant here on the second half of the Scripture. And so this is what the Apostle Paul says. God does some incredible things in his life. God shows him some incredible visions. And this is what he declares. It says uh, in verse 7, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn, everybody say a thorn. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times, everybody say three times. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about that this thing should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your perfection. In when you got it all together, my power, come on, talk back to me. My power is made perfect in what? In your weakness. And then he goes on and he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The Apostle Paul, he makes it clear that in his life there was something he, he wished that would depart from him. 
There are, there are, uh, there are, there's a big dissension as to what this thorn was, a difference of opinion uh, as to what it was. Some believe it was a physical ailment. Some believe it was a hater that kept following him around and continued to challenge him as it pertains to preaching the gospel. There are many thoughts as to what this thorn was, but nonetheless, it represented something that was out of order or imperfect in his life. Is there anybody in your life that you're experiencing something, an area of weakness? Come on, am I the only one? Where there's an area of weakness, there's an area of imperfection. Many of us, you see, we boast in the areas where we think we have it all together. So it's like, okay, there's one or two things that are going good for us. And so we'll, we'll boast in those things. And we'll capitalize on those things. But Paul says, look, in order to keep me from being conceited... Because some of our stuff is going good in our lives and we get to the point where because of what's happening that's good in our lives, we boast in these things and we often try to take the credit and oftentimes it will point us or push us away from our recognition of our need of God. And so he's given this thorn so that he would not be to a place of being conceited. He, and then he goes on and says, you know what? So consequently, I am going to, instead of boasting in the areas where I have it together, instead of boasting in those things, come on somebody. He says that I am going to instead boast in my weakness. Because when and where I'm weak, then I am strong. Man, I'm so glad. I wonder if there's anybody in this place that you've been going through stuff and you know your life is imperfect, but you still haven't fallen apart. Oh my God, I just feel this thing right here. And the reason why you still are going and you haven't quit or thrown in the towel is not because of your strength. Come on. But it's because the power of God is made perfect in the areas of our imperfections. And so then that's where I boast in those things because I understand that it's only because of the grace and mercy of God. Come on, I hear the song, your grace and mercy. Anybody know that? Brought me through. Hey, I'm living this moment because of you. Come on. And I want to thank you. Come on, somebody give it praise. And praise you too. Because your grace and mercy, it brought me through. Come on, somebody give him praise for his grace this morning. Yeah. And this is why, this is why we don't boast in our works. It's all because of his strength. And these areas of imperfection are an opportunity for us to boast in the strength of the Lord at work in our lives. Come on, somebody. And so today I want to talk about this parable because we find here uh, the, the backdrop, if you will, turn back with me to Luke chapter 15. Says in Luke 15, verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. My God, I love this right here. Uh, and it goes on and it talks about all about how it says that they were grumbling as a result because he was receiving sinners and eats with them. Then he goes on and he talks about how he likens it onto a lot the lost sheep and a lost the how the shepherd is willing to go after the lost sheep until he finds it and then rejoices now the, i just want to note something here before we jump in first of all the lost sheep and then there's a parable right after called the lost coin it doesn't just represent one person but it represents those every single person who has gone astray from god and how many of you know that's everybody? 
The Bible actually declares, the Bible declares, and see, some of us, you know, we act like when we go to the bathroom, it smells like Chanel number five. And the reason why is because we don't understand that the Bible actually declares and lets us know that everyone has gone astray from birth. Come on, you can write this down, check it out later. Uh, how about Psalm chapter 58, verse 3? It says, the wicked, those who do wicked things, they have been estranged from birth. Isaiah 53, verse 6, check that out as well. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 lets us know that if anyone says that we are without sin, that we are a liar. Come on, somebody. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 lets us know we all have sinned. Come on, can I get in the Bible? And fallen short of the glory of God. This is, this is something we all, everybody say we all. We all, and so this is this this guy is not you know because oftentimes we look at these three parables: the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, and we think that it's talking about someone who was saved or who was a believer, and then they go away, and then now they're a prodigal, and we need to welcome them back home. No, it's speaking about the condition of all mankind, how we are. We start in a place of being astray. We start. In a place of imperfection. And God in his reckless love has gone out to rescue us like I'll search my house for that bracelet. And so the fact is, watch this now. So let's look at this. So the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Now I want to just, can I give you point number one? Here's point number one. For those who are note takers, also will be up on the screen for you. Jesus is a sinner magnet. So his church should be too. Oh, that's good stuff. Jesus is a sinner magnet, so his church should be too. We find that he is sitting there, and it says that the tax collectors who were rejected, who people didn't like because they oftentimes were dishonest, and the sinners, those who were imperfect, come on, they were all drawing near to Jesus. Jesus was not someone that as many, you know, popular opinion might tell you the way that churches and the way that churches are today, they'll be like, you know, people make mistakes. Let somebody get pregnant and they're not married. Can I talk to somebody this morning? And we kick them out. Come on, somebody. Let somebody love a little different than you love. Can I keep it real on this morning? And we kick them out. And at the end of the day, this is what I'm saying. The fact is that the Pharisees, they come and they're grumbling. Because sinners are coming to Jesus. Because people who have imperfection, not even realizing that they should be there too. They should be, they should be at the head of the table. Who man, who am I talking to? Because a lot of us, we get to the place where we don't understand. We think church is for the spick and span. We think the table is for people who have it all together. And oftentimes we look and we're tripping about who's at the table when and why they're there when we should be the ones that are sitting at the head of the table. Can I just keep it real this morning? Jesus was a sinner magnet. He was someone who sinners actually liked to come and hang out with him. So why is it then, if so many, if people who are imperfect love to go and hang out with Jesus, why is it that people don't, that sinners stay far away from the church? Why is it that our church has a rap for being judgmental and condemnative and bashing, come on somebody, to where oftentimes the world knows more about what the church is against than what we're for. Then who we're against and the lifestyles we're against, but, but who are you for? 
Jesus was a place where, 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 where sin, he was a sinner magnet. I love it because he declares in John chapter 12, uh, verse 32, he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw perfect people, all men unto me. Come on, somebody. This is beautiful. His, his desire is to be a magnet for those who are broken. To be a place of bomb in Gilead, as they call him. To be a place of restoration and peace and, and joy and redemption. And so the fact is, that's the heart of Christ. So if the church of Christ is Christ's body, shouldn't we be that too as well? People, that's why I'm telling you, man, people should, and I'm sorry, I apologize. I Can I apologize on the behalf of pastors everywhere? Can I apologize to you, to those of you who came here this morning, and you're like, okay, I'm going to give this thing another chance, but all I know, what I know about church is that they just bash people, and they're judgmental, and everybody is a hypocrite, and all of this stuff, and whatever, and the pastor's doing X, Y, and Z, and all of this. Can I just apologize and let you know, for those who felt like you had to have it all together, and people judged you and made fun of you and both and talked about you behind your back. I, can I tell you that that is not the heart of God? I apologize to those who have been bashed and broken when you were when you came here for healing. I'm here to tell you that Serve City is not one of those places. I want to say welcome home to you. Come on, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care where you have weakness. I don't care where there's stuff that you the stuff you're ashamed of. Bring it. Somebody, this is a place where you are welcome. And there are many churches that are out there too that have the same heart. And so I want you don't quit on God because you had a bad experience with one, with one church. Come on, somebody. So Jesus is a sinner magnet, so his church should be too. You know, like when I think about this, I think about my kids. You know, my kids are dirt magnets. Yo, guy, like, parent, all the parents ought to say amen. I mean, I could bathe their tails and, you know, and they are spick and span. Gabriel, especially Noah. My wife is rolling her eyes because she knows. Noah will go outside. I give you T minus five minutes. And he will come back looking like he was in a pink trough rolling around. Because he, they're just dirt magnets, just, just the way that they are, you know. But at the end, and so, so they, this is how they are. And this is the same way that Christ is. Christ, he just can't, he just loves sinners. He loves them. He loves, he, he, he loves people who are in a place of imperfection because it's an opportunity. I remember I was sitting in a church in a service one day and I was there and, you know, we were visiting this place. And there are very few things that will get me to the place where I get up and like walk out of church. And I'll never forget, I mean, I was sitting there and I'm listening to this message and I'm just, you know, my, I was right next to my wife. And then the pastor's going to say, he's going to turn around and say, the church is not for unbelievers. And I was like, what? I literally, I literally got up. This is a church with a ton of people, a gang of people. I literally got up and I was walking out. My wife grabbed my arm and was like, no, they don't, don't make a scene. But I could not believe. I'm like, then who is it for then? Who is it for? He, he was making it. He, the context was that it's a place where, you know, it's supposed to be in order. And, you know, and I'm here to tell you, you might hear me say this all the time. And I'm just taking this opportunity because this, for some of you, it's your first time in church, maybe ever for some first time in church since that thing happened to you, whatever it was. And I want to let you know that you are welcome here. This is the perfect place for you. Can I keep on going? So look at this now. 
So the Bible actually goes on and says that they were grumbling, saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he then told them a parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost? He, and then when he finds it, he has found it. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and then comes home. He throws a party when, the, when those who are imperfect, when he finds them. I want to tell you this. Can I, can I tell you this? You've kind of already heard it, but I want to make it in point form. Point number two, look at this. Jesus is recklessly passionate about rescuing the lost. In fact, go ahead and look at your neighbor and just tell a neighbor, Jesus is recklessly passionate. Come on. About rescuing the lost. He's recklessly passionate. The Bible says that he would leave the 99. That, don't, that doesn't make any sense. He's leaving 99 found sheep to run, risking it all to go and find one. Oh man, this is so beautiful. This is beautiful. This is amazing because it's letting us know that God with reckless abandon, we were singing it earlier, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. This is this is not some pixie dust fairy tale type stuff. This is not him just saying, you know, you know, he's standing up in heaven and he's like, you know, hocus pocus, I love you, and now you just come to me. No, he literally put on flesh. Come on. Do you know that Jesus, God is spirit, John chapter 4 lets us know. Jesus was not always in flesh form and Jesus put on flesh come on somebody he became a human being like you and I he came down to the earth literally was punished and tortured and beaten and like a sinner and like someone who was a crook and a criminal he, all of this happened to him and then he dies and he rose from the dead with all power also he could come and rescue you and I from our broken condition he's so so he's not you know those type of people in your life that they're always talking about what they do and how they have your back maybe I'm the only one that knows people like that and they'd be like hey you, you, make sure you call me dude make sure you call me yo if they roll up call me I'm gonna I'm gonna handle it who am I talking to you know and then when you when when something happens and you can something actually pops off and you call them up and then they're like oh well uh, see what happened was uh, you know I got a dentist appointment and so I got you know what I'm talking about people that make empty threats and talk about how they have your back but then when the time actually comes they don't have your back. I'm so glad that we don't serve a God that makes empty promises. Come on somebody. I'm so glad we serve a God that just didn't talk about it but he was about it. Come on. When I was a sinner sinking deep in sin before I could ever say I love you Jesus. He came recklessly and died for my sin. He's not just talking about it but he is about it. Jesus is recklessly passionate about rescuing the lost. I love it because he refers to himself in Ezekiel. You can write this down and check it out later. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11 through 16. Uh, he refers to himself and talks about himself as, as, a, as a shepherd and how those who have gone astray, specifically in that passage, he was speaking about Israel, but in, in a broader context, it speaks to him as the shepherd who will restore and find and rescue those of us who are imperfect and those of us who are far from him. And I love what he says about it, talking about his reckless love in John chapter 10. I'm going to read it. John chapter 10, verse 7 through 11. He says, so Jesus said, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. 
And all who come before me are thieves and robbers. That's why there aren't multiple ways to God. Come on, somebody. You can't get to God through different religions. Jesus is, he says, I am the only way. Somebody say the only way. Anyone who came before, anybody who says they are thieves and they are robbers because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Somebody say the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Oh man, that, that's some really good. The, the worth, the cost of a sheep in comparison to the life of the shepherd. The worth of the shepherd as it pertains or in comparison to the worth of the sheep. That the shepherd valued you and I so much that he was willing to give his life up on our behalf. Would you say that's a good shepherd? And so Jesus, we find in this parable in Luke 15, he's referring to himself or even the, the parable of the lost coin. He's referring to himself as someone who is going to go and do everything possible to go and rescue those who are far from God. Can I give you number three? Everybody say number three. Here we go. So we find, as I'm telling you, in the, in the passage, it says, as the sinners were coming and uh, drawing near to him, the Pharisees and scribes grumbled. Saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Man. Here's number three. Watch it. Our perception of God's plan determines whether we'll fight for or against it. Our perception of God's plan determines whether we are going to fight for or against it. The reason, see, the Pharisees, the scribes, they, they prided themselves in people that knew scripture. They prided themselves as people who were to the T as it pertained to God and his, you know, and his word. And in fact, they thought that they knew more than God. So they even added some things on top of what was already put out there. And so they prided themselves in this regard. But the fact is, they knew all of that, but still missed God's plan. And there are many of us that are so religious. Who am I talking to? And you've been it. You can, you can be in church, have gray hairs. You can preach your own funeral because you've been in church so long and still miss God's plan. I don't care how much Bible scriptures you know. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how much tongues and shit about a Hondas you're talking. I don't care how many people you evangelize. You still can miss God's plan. And many of us are coming against and fighting against God's plan. And we actually think we're doing things for him. Oh man, that's some serious stuff. When we misunderstand God's plan, you can be fighting against it and not even know it. The Pharisees, they're here and they're grumbling against the fact that Jesus is eating and sitting and chilling with people who are imperfect. And the only reason they're grumbling against this is because they don't understand that the same Messiah that they were looking forward to showing up and seeing, that he was there among them and he was in a place where he was going to. His purpose for coming was to seek and save the lost, Luke 19.10. He says, the Son of Man came to do nothing, paraphrasing, but to seek and save the lost. But they missed God's plan. God's plan. And so the fact is how many of you are in this place. And, and you many times see because of your background you might misunderstand God's plan. You might have been come from a background where you belong to a church that told you and taught that you have to have it all together in order to be accepted by God. And so consequently, as a result of this taking 
your heart, that's the thing that you tell people when they ask you about God. And so by you presenting this, come on somebody, you're fighting against God's plan. Who am I talking to? You might have come from a background or you might think that Jesus is just, you know, genie Jesus. Uh, and so I just had Jesus is a genie in a bottle. And so I just get to ask him, you know, for my wishes. And then he just needs to do whatever I want him to do. And, and if he doesn't, then he's not a good God. And that might be the background that you're coming from or what you heard about Jesus. And so consequently, what you present is that version of God's plan. And as a result, as a result, you hinder, you hinder what is taking place. And I'm just here to tell you that you and I, we need to understand as I'm talking about it. We, are you like those scribes and those Pharisees that grumble because Jesus is eating with sinners? Come on. Are you like, do you, what is your perspective of God's plan? Do you understand that indeed Jesus loves and receives those of us who are imperfect and those who are aside from him and, and he has recklessly loved them and he desires to be in relationship with them? Or are we in a position where we are fighting against it and where we are where we're being hypocritical or where we are being hindered from coming and being in fellowship with God because of our imperfection, not realizing that our admittance of our imperfection is actually the the, the being able to be in relationship with God. Because if we don't confess our sins and our sinfulness, if we're to a place where we don't recognize and admit that we're in need of God, then there's no need for us to be in relationship with Him. Are you with me? You know, and so I'll, I'll just share this and then we'll go to point number four. The fact of the matter is that, you know, there's a guy named Saul. He was, he was named Saul. We're actually reading. We were reading about him earlier. He became Paul. Prior to him coming to Christ, he was doing what was called kicking against the pricks, is what they prefer, they refer to it. He was zealous after the things of God. He thought that he was doing the work of God by going and persecuting Christians and having them tortured. He held the clothes of the people who stoned Stephen, who was actually the first martyr in the New Testament. They, he held their clothes and he was championing out like, yeah, stoned into death for calling Jesus' name. And then, so because his view of God's plan was, was, in, was erroneous. And so what he thought he was doing for God, he was actually hindering people from coming and being in a place of relationship with God. He ends up getting knocked off of a horse. Everybody say, knocked off the horse. He gets knocked off his high horse and has a revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ give, reveals himself to him and shows him love, even though he was someone who was persecuting him. Because he asked him, he says, Saul, why is it that you're persecuting me? How long are you going to kick against the pricks? Come on. And he ends up getting delivered and God saves him and uses him for his glory. Come on, somebody. And some of us, we're just, we are in need of a kick off of our high horse. shift in our perspective in order for us to be able to be effective. What is your view of God's plan? Who am I talking to this morning? And so moving forward, so he says, he makes it, in, in, as it pertains to God's plan, in order for us to be to a place where we are impacting lives and where we are finding people, where we are able to, where we are positioned to love on imperfect people, where we're working with God as opposed to working against God or fighting against the plan that he has. We've got to be to a place, here's number four, here's number four, we've got to get lit 
locate and love the lost to life. We got to get lit to locate and love the lost to life. And so I got a little bit of an example because the fact of the matter is that, that Jesus makes it clear in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. He talks about, he says, that someone who lights a candle, it does not make sense to light a candle and put it under a bushel or hide it. But not only this, he goes on and he says, consequently, he says, So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. We are called to participate in God's plan. We are called not to be like the scribes of the Pharisees and grumble, come on somebody, but we should be sinner magnets as well. And some of you, can I just poop somebody's party? Because some of you grow up hearing that you should not have any friends that are not Christians. Some of you grew up saying, oh, you shouldn't hang around those type of people because if you, you know, what they have is going to jump off on you. Okay, y'all are are being quiet in this moment. And I'm here to tell you that that couldn't be further away from the plan of God. Come on, somebody. How are you supposed to affect and change people's lives if you are not to a place where, like Jesus, he was eating and hanging with people who were considered as sinners? And so we have a call to let our light shine, especially in darkness. What good is light in the light? It's more efficacious in a place of darkness. So I got a pack of Skittles here. I got a pack of Skittles. And I just want to show you guys this really quickly. I'm going to open them. And I'm just going to put them in here. And I want, I want, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask in this moment, I want you to just pay attention to this. And I hope you can get the point of what it is that I'm saying. So there are many of us, go ahead and let's, let's, uh, let's cut the lights. Let's go ahead and let's cut the lights in this moment. So I want you to, I want you to see this. So Brian, I'm going to ask you to join me up here. So I want you to come up and I want you to go ahead and, and grab this bucket and this basket and come hang out right up here in front of me. And so there are many of us, this is the way, this is the way that we are. You know, we, we have our light, right? And we, saw, we sing about our light and we talk about our light. And we give God praise because of our light, you know, and we talk about, especially as Christians, we, we're, oh, I'm not like those sinners. I'm not like those people, you know, I'm not, oh, look at her. And we talk about people and we are in this sorts of a position where we are, where we, we talk about the light that we have. But the fact of the matter is the light that we have is only going to be efficacious if we turn it on. We can't. Find those who are far away from God. Come on, somebody. Unless we turn on the light. We can't affect and bring light to people unless we turn on the light. I want you in this moment. I want you in this moment. It's all dark. You can, we can barely see anything up here. And I want in this moment, I want you to find me all of the purple Skittles in there. Can you find purple Skittles in there? It's really difficult for you to find. It's really tough. Because this thing is dark. We are in a place of darkness. But look at what happens. Come on, somebody. When we cut on the light. It makes it a whole lot easier. Somebody sees where I'm going with this thing. For us to be able to find what it is that we're looking for. Come on. Somebody.
somebody give God praise. You can go ahead and turn back on the light. Can we give Brian a hand clap? Praise God. We're so thankful. So this is the way that it is. In order for us to be to a place that we are able to locate the lost. In order for us to be to a place where we actually bring, where we love on, where we work on, and in partnership with God's plan and see life change happen, we've got to turn on the light. This is why Jesus said, let your light so shine. And there are many of us, we talk about the light that we have, but we're not actually using it. We're just using it in our, we just have it to ourselves and we put it under a bushel. When has, when last has someone come to Christ because of you? When last has someone experienced life change because you're present in their life? The Christianity that you talk about, oh, I'm so glad to be a Christian. When last have you brought somebody to church to experience the same life change that you experience? When last on your job or when you're on the bus or when you're out and you're in the various clubs and such that you're in? When last have you been used to impact people? Is it just enough for you to have a light, but the light and, and do nothing with it? The light, we can only locate and love on the lost. We can only locate and love on the lost and bring them to a place of light. It's not until, it's not until, it's not until we turn on the light that we get there. And as Courtney comes, I just want to encourage you guys talking about you know, our perception of God's plan being to the place where that determines whether we fight against or for it. You know, our, there's a story of a guy who was out on the water and, you know, he, he got lost at sea and he found himself in a place where he was shipwrecked. His stuff was broken up, he, you know, and all of this. And he finds himself, uh, he finds himself in the sea. And what ends up happening is that you know, when he finds himself on, on some dry land. And so when he's there, he's like, man, how in the world am I going to get off here? I don't have any way to communicate with anybody. You know, uh, Bell and, and Fido and Boost Mobile. We don't have those out here. What, give me, give me, a, give me a, what happened? Rogers. I'm still, still trying to get used to the Canadian stuff. It's been a while. Tell us. Don't have service out here on this deserted island. And so he's like, man, stuff is jacked up. What in the world do I do? And so while he's there, you know, he has some of his clothes. He has some food. He has some stuff there. And he hears in his head, burn it all. And he's like, what in the world? That don't make any sense. Why would I burn everything that I have? And he hears his voice, burn it all. It's like, this does not sound like a good plan. Come on, somebody. What ends up happening is he's in this moment. He says, you know what? Okay. He had a relationship with God. He's like, okay, if this is what you're telling me to do, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to submit to your plan. He literally burns all of his stuff. He throws it all in. Everything that he had left over, he threw all of his stuff in. And then what ends up happening is he sees a plane that's flying overhead. Come on, somebody. And the plane ends up Landing, it was a seaplane, ends up coming and lands, and he's able to get to his to his place of rescue. And he says, Why is it? Why is it you can't? He said, Because I saw the smoke from the fire that was made. And as a result of the fire that was made, the smoke caught my attention and drew me in. And now I, I got the signal that I was to come and rescue you. Oh man. Some of us. 
So as a result of him submitting to God's plan, his perspective of God's plan, his saying yes to God's plan, his working in partnership with God's plan, brought him to a place where he, if he was where he experienced rescue, if he was to the place where he was like, no, I, this don't make sense. I want to just hold on to my food. No, this don't make sense. I just want to, I just want to keep what I have and, and my clothes and I'm not throwing. You know how much I paid for that, Jesus? No, he was like, you know what? God's plan, I'm going to say yes to it. And as a result, he was rescued. He was able to live beyond where he was all because he said yes. And so my question is to you, what is your perception of God's plan? How do you view people? Are you like the scribes and the Pharisees that grumble against God's desire like Jonah who got mad because he didn't think that the people of Nineveh deserved to come to repentance? tell encourage you come off of your high horse and even for those of you who have a view of God come away from that we are called to live on mission for Christ to be ones who go and shine our light so we can find the lost so we can find those who are far from God so they can have an encounter with Christ don't just celebrate about the light but use the light <laughs> 